And well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 19. Uh, today we're beginning a new message series called Foundations of Marriage. We just finished our series on biblical foundations. Now we're moving to foundations of marriage. Marriage is one of God's good gifts to mankind designed for our blessing and welfare. Marriage is foundational to society, and a good marriage is indeed a blessing to both husband and wife and to society as a whole. Unfortunately, there seems to be a lot of confusion about marriage today, and so in this series, we're going to go back, we're going to look at the very foundations of marriage, how, how it was formed, what does it mean, what challenges marriage faces, how we as the church should respond to these challenges. So let me give you a little bit of a road map, okay? Over, over the next four weeks, just a four-week series, we're going to be looking at the following topics from God's Word. Today's message is called, In the Beginning. And so today we're going to look at the beginning of marriage and how it was founded. Very simple, very important. Next week, God and marriage. We're going to look at the theology of marriage. What does marriage have to do with God, and, and how does that affect how we look at marriage? Uh, week three is challenges to marriage, and in week three, we'll look at some of these challenges and, and, and how these challenges are, are really chipping away at the foundations of marriage and at God's good design. And then finally, in week four, we will take a look at a Christian response to homosexuality. It's one of the challenges we'll be looking at in week three, but because it is such a sensitive topic, we're going to take that final week to look at the issue of homosexuality and how it affects our view of marriage. So a lot to cover uh, in four weeks. This is a, a very important series for each of us, for our church, uh, for our society at large. And so I want to encourage you, I hope you pray for the messages anyways, but if not, this would be a great time to start, okay? Pray for this series, pray for our church's response to it, uh, pray for your own response to it, uh, ask God to use this series to strengthen the church to His glory and honor, amen? So our scripture that we're starting with uh, today, actually it's the, the, the main text for the whole message, is Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? These are the words of Jesus. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together let man not separate. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear, dear Lord, as we look at these words of Jesus uh, recorded for us in the Gospels, uh, as we look at the foundations of marriage this morning, uh, Lord, there's a lot of conflicting voices out there. May we hear directly from your word and the Holy Spirit speak directly to our hearts. Uh, Lord, and help us to hear and to receive your word this morning, each of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. As we said at the beginning of this message, there seems to be a lot of confusion about marriage today. People have questions. What is marriage? 
What does it look like? Whose idea was it? Who gets to define it? And so today we want to go back to the beginning, back to the very foundations of marriage itself in order to answer these questions. A structure is only as strong as its foundations. And so if we are not clear on the foundations of marriage, then of course we're going to be confused about all of these other matters as well. And this is actually the approach that Jesus took when people asked him about marriage. Uh, We find Jesus' approach in Matthew chapter 19. Uh, The context here is some Pharisees came to test him. Uh, They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? So they were asking about the nature of marriage as it relates to divorce. But in response, what did Jesus do? Jesus pointed them back to the beginning. He pointed them back to the very foundations of marriage as created by God himself. Today I want to give you a biblical definition of marriage. It comes directly from Jesus' words that we'll be looking at today in Matthew 19. Here it is, and we'll be referring to this again and again throughout our series. Marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship between a man and a woman based on a public vow of lifetime faithfulness. There's four parts to the definition. Marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship between a man and a woman based on a public vow of lifetime faithfulness. Every word of this definition is important. And as we look at Jesus' words here in the Gospel of Matthew, you're going to see that all four of those parts of the definition, they come directly from Jesus' words. And uh, so I encourage you to keep your Bible open to Matthew 19 as we'll be looking at those verses. Uh, You may also want to take out the outline that you'll find in your worship guide. It'll give you a place to jot down notes and help you to follow along uh, on the message. So point number one, first of all, marriage was created by God. Marriage was created by God. Jesus said, Matthew 19, 4, haven't you read at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. Marriage is part of the created order. In other words, marriage is not a human invention. We did not come up with this idea of marriage on our own. And when you go back to Genesis, when you go back to creation, back to the beginning, you find that God made marriage as part of the original created order. Marriage is introduced in Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning, right? And then we get an even more detailed explanation in Genesis chapter 2. And when Jesus was questioned about marriage, you know, there were a whole bunch of uh, passages in the Old Testament that he could have gone to. But where did he go? He went straight to Genesis chapters 1 and 2. He went straight to the foundational, creational passages of Scripture. God created marriage for mankind, and he created mankind for marriage. Marriage is part of the created order. Not only is marriage part of the created order, but marriage was also the very first institution God created. Jesus reminded the Pharisees in, in Matthew 19, he said, at the beginning, right? Very significant, at the beginning, God created, God 
uh, made them male and female. Before God created the family. Before God created government. Before God even created the church. God created marriage as the first institution of all. And as such, marriage is the primary institution. Marriage forms the very building blocks of society. It is the very foundation of civilization. Once again, the structure, okay, the structure is only as strong as the foundation. And so we need to make sure that we are building our society on the foundation that God has given us. For centuries... For millennia, marriage has been that foundation. And when we get marriage right, marriage uh, uh, provides a very stable foundation for human relationships, for sexual expression, for the raising of children, and for the transfer of property and other economic necessities. You take away marriage and you no longer have human civilization as we know it. You'll have something else. I don't even know what it is. You'll have something else, but you will not have what God created for our benefit. So that's the first part of our definition, right? God created marriage. Marriage is part of the created order. It is the first institution created by God. Now, the next part of our definition, we're going to get to in just a moment. The next part of our definition speaks of a sacred covenant relationship. But Jesus doesn't get to that until verse 6. So we're going to go in Jesus' order. So hold off on that. Right now, I want to continue in verse 4, where Jesus teaches us that God created marriage as a relationship between a man and a woman. Go back to verse 4 now. Jesus says, haven't you read? He replied. That at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. Remember, Jesus is addressing marriage here. He's talking about marriage. And so Jesus affirms that God creating us male and female, that this is an essential part of the definition of marriage. And in affirming this, Jesus was simply referring back to the creation accounts of Genesis chapters 1 and 2. In Genesis chapter 1, we read this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. One of the precious truths of Scripture is that as human beings, we are created in God's image. This is a foundational truth of Scripture that sets us apart from all the rest of creation. The earth and the sky, God created those, but not in His image. The land and the water, not created in God's image. Vegetation, not created in God's image. Sorry, Larry the Cucumber, it doesn't work that way, right? The sun, the moon, and the stars, not created in God's image. All the living creatures that that swim in the sea or fly across the sky or move across the face of the earth, none of these are created in God's image. Man and woman alone are are created in God's image to reflect God's glory as we rule over the rest of creation. Now, I want you to notice that it is not simply the man who is created in God's image, and it's not simply the woman. 
Now, every single human being, whether male or female, okay, is created in the image of God. But there's also this sense that we find in the text that it takes both. It takes both together to fully reflect the image of God. We see that at the end of verse 27, where it says, male and female, he created them in God's image. We're going to look at this idea more closely uh, next week when we discuss God and marriage. Right now, I just want you to realize that being male and female, that is an important part of God creating us in his image. Then in Genesis 1, we also, uh, well, in Genesis 1, that's where we learn that God created us as male and female. Genesis chapter 2, next chapter, now we get a more detailed description of how God did that. How did God create us male and female. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God created the man first, but then God said, it's not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. And this pronouncement, it's not good. That is in very striking contrast, right, to each of the days of creation recorded earlier in Genesis chapter 1. Because you might remember on each of those days at the end, God reviewed his work at the end of each day. And and the Bible says what? And God saw that it was good, right? Every time, seven times in Genesis chapter 1, we get that repeated refrain, and God saw that it was good. Now we get to Genesis chapter 2, and for the first time ever, we hear God say, it is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. Well, why wasn't that good? Well, there are several reasons. Let me share with them, share four of them with you. First of all, there was the need for procreation. Unless God made a helper suitable for him, the man would not be able to reproduce and have children. The the beginning of the human race would also have been the end of the human race. A very short story, right? You know, we just would have ended right there in Genesis chapter 1. So there was the need for procreation. Secondly, there was the need for companionship. There were plenty of animals around, but the man had no one to talk to. No one to share his life with. No one who corresponded to him as another human being. He needed a companion. Thirdly, there was the need for intimacy. God created the man as a sexual being, not simply for procreation, but also to enjoy the intimacy of relationship with his wife. And then fourthly, there was the need for stability. God created human beings to spread out, And to rule over the whole earth, all to God's glory. And society, once again, society would need a very stable foundation in order to fulfill this command. Marriage is that necessary foundation. And the man by himself could not provide that stability. It was not good for the man to be alone. So God said, what? I will make a helper. I will make a helper suitable for him. In other words, a helper who would fulfill these needs for procreation, companionship, intimacy, and stability. Genesis 2 goes on to tell us how God did this, how he made this suitable helper. First of all, he led the man through a process of self-discovery. He brought all the animals to him to see what he would name them. So the man gave the names to all the animals, but no suitable helper was found. Then God put the man into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. He closed up the place with flesh. And then he made a woman from the rib 
uh, and he brought her to the man. And the man, now, now fully awake, right? He proclaims, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I love what the commentator Matthew Henry says about this passage. He writes, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Isn't that marvelous? God saw that the man was all alone, and so God created a woman for him, a suitable helper, one who would fulfill the needs for procreation, companionship, intimacy, and stability. As Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, he said haven't you read? He said, you got the book, open it up. Haven't you read? Turn to page one. <laughs> Turn to page two. Haven't you read that at the beginning? God made the male and female. And so male and female are an essential part of the definition of marriage. Now, I don't need to tell you, you this. This runs counter, doesn't it, to much of what our culture tells us about marriage today. And this whole topic of homosexuality and gay marriage is, is, is such an incredibly important subject in today's world. And that's why we'll be devoting an entire message to it. But let me just say this today, okay? The church and the culture have both made some terrible mistakes when it comes to homosexuality and marriage. And that's why we're going to take a whole message later in the series to examine a truly Christian response to homosexuality. But for now, just realize that Jesus affirmed marriage is between a man and a woman. Male and female are an essential part of the definition of marriage. Okay, moving on. Third part of our definition says that marriage is based on a public vow of lifetime faithfulness. We see this in verse 5 where Jesus says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Jesus is quoting once again from Genesis, back to the beginning, to the foundations, specifically Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which tells us there are three parts to this thing called marriage, okay? And uh, first of all, there is a leaving. There is a leaving. Jesus says, the, uh, Genesis says, and Jesus says, the man will leave his father and mother. And of course, this applies to the woman too. The woman also uh, leaves her mother and father. For both husband and wife, there is a leaving of their family of origin in order to form a new family unit. Now, we still maintain strong uh, ties of love and commitment and, and affection to our extended family members. That's good. That's right. It's supposed to be that way. But marriage creates a new family unit, which now becomes our primary family unit. Marriage entails a new loyalty which requires a leaving of father and mother. And that new loyalty is expressed how? In the marriage vow where the man and woman make a public vow 
of lifetime faithfulness. So first of all, there's the leaving. Secondly, there is a uniting. The man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. This uniting takes place in the sexual consummation of marriage. The man and the woman make a public vow of lifetime faithfulness. That vow is then consummated in the sexual relationship. The word that is translated united here, it's a word that means to cleave, to adhere, to be glued together. The sexual relationship creates such a strong bond between two people, which is why it is so painful when you break up with someone with whom you have had a sexual relationship. Think of two pieces of paper that have been glued or bonded together. You cannot tear those pieces of paper apart without doing damage to both. And this is one of the reasons why God reserves the sexual relationship for marriage only and why God designed the marriage relationship for life. Notice also, both in Jesus' words and in Genesis, the leaving comes before the cleaving. Okay? Kind of important. Marriage vow comes first, and then the sexual relationship. Once again, our culture's got everything backwards. Everybody's doing this in reverse. Most people in our culture do the cleaving before the leaving. And that has had devastating consequences for marriage and our culture. We're going to talk about that in week three, right? When we talk about challenges to marriage in our day and time. We're just laying the foundations now. And then we come to the result of the leaving and the cleaving. The two will become one flesh. There's the vow of public vow of lifetime faithfulness. The couple... Uh, consummates that vow in the sexual relationship, and now the two are one. They're a new couple. They're a new family. A new family has been born. That's God's, God's idea, God's design. Let's go back to that biblical definition one more time. I want to review it with you. Marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship between a man and a woman based on a public vow of lifetime Faithfulness. Remember, we skipped over the second part of that definition earlier because Jesus doesn't get to it until verse 6. Marriage is a sacred covenant relationship. Let's look at verse 6 now. Jesus says, So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. What God has joined together, let man not not separate. You see, marriage is not simply a contract or a temporary agreement or a relationship of convenience. It is a sacred covenant relationship based on a public vow of lifetime faithfulness. This covenant is made before God and in His presence and This covenant is sealed by God in heaven. When a man and woman come together in marriage, they are no longer two. Now they're one. But you know what? We don't do that. We we can't make that happen. We don't do that. God does that. 
God does it. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Once again, there is so much confusion out there about marriage today. And most of that confusion is because we as a culture have let go of the foundations of marriage as revealed to us in the Scriptures. And when Jesus was asked about marriage, what did he do? He went back to the beginning. He went back to creation. He went back to the definition of marriage as given by God himself. And you and I, we will do well to do the same. Because if you don't get the foundation right, you won't get the rest of it right either. What is marriage? According to Jesus and the Bible, marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship between a man and a woman based on a public vow of lifetime faithfulness. That's our foundation. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word teaches us. It speaks clarity and truth in a world of confusion. And Lord, we know that these are, these are difficult topics. Uh, maybe the world doesn't care what we believe about these things, but they sure care if we talk about them. And so these are things that you've called us not only to believe, but to speak and to share. Lord, you've not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of love and a sound mind. So Lord, help us lovingly proclaim your truth to others. Help us lovingly proclaim the foundations that you've designed that provide hope and healing for a troubled and confused world. Help us to do these things, Lord. We need your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.